Welcome back to the First Touch Podcast. I am Tyler Brooke, joined alongside an injured Nate Canan, and I'm a little worried about him. Nate, are you doing okay, man? You tease this to make it sound like I'm having a terrible injury that like maybe something happened to me. It's it's not that serious. It's just more so that I threw my back out freaking out over the Tottenham game. And yeah, I now have back spasms because of it. And uh, I feel like I pinched a nerve probably somewhere because of that. Welcome to your late 20s, man. This is your late 20s, back spasms, pinching nerves for no reason. I do think you have to start blaming uh, Eric Dyer, your favorite person on Tottenham. Yeah, there's a lot going on right now with them, and I'll talk a little bit about the game uh, here in a second. I just think it kind of goes to show that we're really back in full swing with the Premier League drama, right? I know early on in our podcast, we talked about how VAR is broken and kind of just how the Premier League in general is changing. There's a lot of controversy going on once again, and who's surprised about this? Probably no one. So far this year, there's already been 18 penalties awarded, and there's only been three match weeks so far. And to put that in comparison to this time last year, there were only eight. And that statistic came out before the games were even played on Monday. So there were two games that happened on Monday. And, you know, it's just crazy that there's already so much of this big brother eyeball camera referee in the sky that's just influencing the matches, really slowing down the pace of game. And that's kind of what led to me freaking out, stamping around my girlfriend's apartment. I I looked over to her when I was watching the game and she just looks at me. She's like, I don't think I've ever seen you so angry at anything, let alone a sports game. And it was just really frustrating for those of you who didn't watch the Tottenham game game this weekend they played probably one of the best games of football that they've played all season you know they were up one to zero going into the seventh minute of extra time Eric Dyer jumps up in the box to challenge Andy Carroll on Newcastle his arm is a bit up because that's just kind of what happens like momentum when you jump your arms shift up in the air a little bit And the ball happens to fall like right on the thread where his jersey hits his arm. And, you know, during the pace of play, no one really sees that being a handball, it doesn't really lead to anything. But there's a lot of challenges going on. And then when VAR looks at it, it's a handball. And no one really likes it. Like it's a true handball according to the rules and rules are rules. But it just takes away a lot of the fun. Whenever this happened, I'm finally sitting there thinking, okay, great. We're going to walk away with three points. We're going to start off the season strong. We got Gareth Bale now sitting watching the game in the stands. So hopefully he's going to come produce more great results like this. And then 97th minute penalty kick scores goes in and we walk away with a draw. I'm just so angry. So like I like literally would like punched my hand and I think my back tensed up and then uh, just it just wasn't good. Uh, I know I'm definitely going on a rant at this point, Tyler. But the last thing that I'll say to this, I actually saw this meme on Instagram this morning that one of those old where does it hurt charts and it, it shows three bodies standing there and that like where the red zone is is where the pain is and they showed like pain in a head that's a headache obviously they showed a red ball in the stomach that's a stomach ache then they just showed a man where the entire silhouette is red and that was Tottenham fan it was like yep that's exactly what happened to me this weekend even though I'm not a Tottenham fan I do have a big beef with this new point of emphasis on handballs this year like this is just outrageous 
intent is no longer a thing on handballs, which just makes no sense to me. And literally it is if you were in the box and the ball even just grazes that no-no area, basically, of where they deem a handball, no matter what the intent was, no matter what awkward position you're in, it is now a, it's a penalty. And that's why we've seen such a spike this past weekend. Uh, Tottenham wasn't the only team to get screwed over in this. Uh, Brighton was actually another example of it. Uh, literally in extra time of extra time, like the game should have been over. I believe it was Harry Maguire hit a sh- went for a, went for a shot on goal, and it literally grazed the fingertips of a guy, and it was completely inadvertent. And they ended up dubbing that a penalty kick that ended up giving Manchester a win. It's just getting out of control. And what's frustrating is, from everything we're hearing, the Premier League is so old school they refuse to change rules in the middle of a season. So it just sounds like we're going to be stuck with these awful penalties given for the rest of the year. It's not only just the handballs, it's also the weird offside delay flagging that's going on too. I will try to be devil's advocate here. Like I do see both sides of the argument here. Like I probably wouldn't be as angry if, you know, I was a Newcastle fan. But even with that said, like Andy Carroll, who is the striker challenging Eric Dyer, he posted on Instagram the next morning like this little cartoon character guy just jumping straight up and down, making sure that his hands are at the side calling it a pencil jump where it's just you have to jump straight up and that's just a very unnatural movement. And I do understand that like the game has evolved. For those of you who haven't seen the there's a great show on Netflix called The English Game. I highly recommend it. It's a just a drama series, the following of the beginning of the FA League. And you do get to see like, oh, like this is how we decide that like draws are a thing. And you can see the game of soccer slowly develop and evolve and change over time. And, you know, this is kind of where we are because think of just like how handballs were. Literally what you're saying, Tyler, intent, like intent's not even part of it anymore when they're they're ruling it. Huge part of the original handball and what we constitute a part of the handball now. I just think it's absurd that we're calling things handballs that are literally still hitting the short-sleeved element of your t-shirt at that point because... I think that if you ask someone where your hand is located, if they point to anything above the elbow, they would think that there's probably something wrong with your brain, right? That's that's totally fair. And I feel like we're beating this to death at this point. But, you know, for a lot of fans, especially those fans of the smaller clubs, like I, I don't feel as bad for you, Nate. You know, your life isn't as a Tottenham fan is just miserable. But for a smaller club like Brighton, you know, this was a real chance for them to, you know, have a real statement game, and they it, it just got lost to them, which is just really shitty. Well, let's uh, let's put the baby to bed when it comes to this VAR talk, and let's talk about what we have coming up this episode, Tyler. I know we have a very, very fun guest today that explores the concept of soccer social media. We have a guy who's made a name for himself on TikTok, and then, then after that, we're going to dive into some around-the-net topics. For those of you who wonder, the most paid players are on the pitch. We're going to break down the top 10 list. And then, of course, we have the pub of the week coming up after that. Yeah, shout out to Elisha Edward for coming on the podcast. My old man energy really came out in that interview, learning all about TikTok just in general, not just with his page, but also just social media and the soccer community in general. I thought it was a really good conversation. But before we get into all of that, you know, we did just talk about handballs this weekend, but it was a pretty fucking crazy weekend for upsets too. I I think the biggest upset for me was just seeing how Leicester completely dominated Manchester City. I've had my doubts about Leicester 
early on of this year, I thought that they had the chance to really drop down significantly in the table considering the way that they finished Project Restart. But here they are. They're dominating the Premier League again. They're making enough points. Jamie Vardy scoring enough goals. They're creating a, a big deficit enough that they could be a real contender for the title so far this year, three weeks in. What surprises me is not only do you lose Ben Chilwell, who's now on Chelsea, but then you actually suffer a huge injury to the midfield with Wilfred and Didi, who's out for a few months. So all the odds were stacked against them in this match. And then lo and behold, they drop five on Manchester City. And I think the perfect thing to summarize all of this is like we know Manchester City's heel has been its back line. Pep Guardiola in Manchester City has spent 345 million pounds on defenders since arriving. And yet here we are and they're still giving up five goals. It's getting out of hand for them. I get it that you know Aguero is hurt, Gabriel Jesus is hurt, and there's a lot of injuries this team is dealing with. But when you've spent so much money on players in the back line, you would expect that they could at least hold their own and not get blown out. I think we would be doing a disservice to everyone here if we didn't talk about that Chelsea game, right? Against the baggies. You became a huge Baggies fan this week. I'm just, I, I will be, a, I will be a, a fan of any team that is playing Arsenal or Chelsea. So be, let's be fair. That, that West Brom fandom lasted a total of 100 minutes. I've heard you say let's go Baggies probably like over 100 times at this point. I could not believe, first off, that they went up 3-0. But I was also equally pissed that they gave up that lead. That was like an Atlanta Falcons level collapse. So they had that 3-0 lead for 55 minutes in that game until Mason Mount finally got the first goal in for Chelsea at that 55-minute mark. For me, it just was enjoyable seeing a team like Chelsea. Again, they're a team that's very comparable to Manchester City with the amount of money and transfers they've had in this transfer window. And to have them lose for over 90 minutes, it took until the 93rd minute of extra time for them to get that equalizer goal to make that a 3-3 game. It was pretty embarrassing, and I bet that Frank Lampard was back in that locker room after that game just trying to figure out what the hell went wrong? I think this team is going to go through a lot of growing pains. I think this is a wake-up call for them, but their problem is that they have so many new players that need to mesh together, but their starting 11 is banged up, right? I still don't know. Have we seen Ziyech yet? Christian Pulisic, who's expected to be a superstar this year, still has not played. Uh, Lampard was even on record saying this past week it might be a couple more weeks before we get to see him even though they struggled in this game I don't know how they turn it around when more guys keep coming back in because then you have to figure out who plays well with each other where everyone should be lined up as high as expectations were for Chelsea this season I don't know how you can turn it around while you're trying to figure everything out and Lampard is just making weird subs and weird positional changes. I think this could be a big disappointing year for Chelsea. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that because of this game. If you want me to be honest and try to put on my why would you do what you did this game cap, like they didn't even have their traditional captain out there. Tiago Silva was wearing the captain's armband to start that game and they eventually subbed him out of the match itself. I think what they went into that was that they were really underestimating West Brom and they were probably trying to save a couple of their people for the game against Tottenham that's coming up on Tuesday in the Carabao Cup. That's a big game for them. The winner of that game at single elimination goes into the semifinal rounds. So I bet they probably wanted to keep some players 
players up to playing shape for that match. The lineups that he had out there just didn't really make sense for a Premier League match day. And that's the only thing that would make sense to me is that he was probably trying to rest some people for the games coming up uh, later this week. Yeah, I will say credit to the players for waking the hell up in the second half and scoring three unanswered to at least get a point out of it. But that, you know, we've just talked about Chelsea and Manchester City and these upsets, but there was one more inexplicably, which was Wolverhampton and West Ham. But West Ham won 4 nothing on Wolverhampton, and the Wolves had looked so good this year. I certainly didn't expect that outcome. Wolves have been looking pretty hot the past couple of weeks. Maybe all the Portuguese players just all met in the locker room and just kind of wanted to hang out and not really play soccer that day. I don't really know what happened. I, I think that's probably just a fluke. It's match week three. Um, we talked to Mark Madden a couple of weeks ago, and yeah, I think what he predicted again is kind of coming true where he said that you can potentially win the league this year with a couple of losses. And uh, th- that's probably true. I don't think Everton's going to stay you know, in that top spot for as long as they are. Liverpool is kind of working out its kinks. They're coming back to their full livelihood. But again, anything can happen so far at this point. With that being said, that's enough of the Premier League uh, talk so far this week. Uh, Let's hop over to our interview. Tyler, why don't we uh, talk a little bit more about what's going on with soccer social media these days? What is our guest famous for? Yeah, so Elisha Edward is a TikTok star, which might seem a little strange to you if you have old man energy like I do, but TikTok has obviously become one of the biggest social media platforms out there, and what Elisha has done has started to you know create a real community on that platform. In just a few short months, Elisha has actually grown his TikTok following to over 200,000 followers. His content focuses on the funny side of trending soccer topics. Uh, One of his recent videos was about Wolverhampton and only signing Portugal players. We've also seen him go through and make several rounds of dad jokes that are focused around soccer players' names. If there's anything to do with the greater soccer community that we can poke fun of, chances are Elijah has already thought about it and he will show it to you on his TikTok. And without further ado, here is our interview with Elisha. Joining us today, you've likely seen his work on TikTok or Instagram or any other social channels with his partnership with Bleacher Report. Please welcome Elisha Edward. Man, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. I just kind of had a general question for you. First and foremost, I would like you to describe to our listeners in your own words, what kind of content you produce? I think the simplest way to put it is just comedic soccer content. I think that's just the overall basis of it. Um, I think having an understanding of just being a soccer fan for the longest, basically my whole life, and just understanding the culture and just the the jokes and you know things that just resonate with the fan, I think allows me um, to just mix that with just my my humor and just things that I find interesting and then just making videos about that. So yeah, it's just a mix of my own sense of humor and my comedy and just mixing that with everything that's going on in soccer, which is never ending. So there's always more to produce. There's always things to talk about. There's always jokes to be made. So, um, and it's all in good fun. I'm curious as that, you know, where did the video start coming about? Like what inspired you to start doing these? Okay. So I've always been, I've always had an artistic side. I've been drawing since I was a kid, since as like some of my earliest memories of me drawing um, 
So I've always been into doing different things creatively, visually, and I would say six six or seven years ago where I really started developing an interest in taking videos, but I always thought that I would be behind the camera. You know, I got, you know, a camera um, early on in high school and then I started to just shoot around with friends doing random videos like that. It was anything crazy. And then more and more over the years, it started being like, I really like doing this, not just the shooting part. I like editing. I love to talk about different things. I'm very opinionated. I have, you know, a lot of things that um, I feel strongly about. And so even before I did skits, I started doing Instagram video. I mean, YouTube videos to where I would do this sit down and talk about just any and everything that happened in the week in soccer, just in the whole world. And um, I started doing more and more of that. And then there were certain things that I would say during the show. I felt like, hmm, I can make a separate video about this. Like, I could make a skit about this. Um, and so I started trying it out on Instagram because that's where I saw people would do skits on, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Some of the people who I used to watch a lot, like um, Colin Rennie, Caleb City, and Shiggy, all of these different people that I watch all the time. I'm like, these dudes are hilarious. But I wonder if I could, like, put my own twist into this and talk about soccer at the same time. And then I just started trying different things. It started landing. So, yeah. Yeah, it seems like the TikTok is a really good platform for you then because how Instagram was, you know, more so just on the photo sharing things. And now that TikTok is a more like viral video scrolling, it just kind of seems like a natural fit based yeah. on your own style of comedy that you put out there. When did you realize that this is starting to take off for you and you're becoming a part of the greater social media soccer community? From the beginning, even from 100 views, even from before I posted my first video, I knew from the jump, I was like, this is, because I think it's not like, like out of ego or arrogance or anything. It's just like, I, I'm a firm believer in if you're yourself, then off the bat, you already have something that, that nobody else has. Think that if you're an individual and you are true to yourself, that in itself is enough to be unique. And so... Um, that's that was kind of my mindset from the get-go and so I thought okay as soon as I say I'm going into this if I stay true to myself um, then I already have something that nobody else has when the numbers started growing I think it was the very first video on TikTok was when I did a how to catch a football fan video that's what really caught the attention of um, Bleacher Report 2 and so when the numbers with that started rising it didn't fully like sway my opinions on like what I'm doing because even beforehand I just thought this is this is gonna it's just taking time to get recognition but I I believe in like the things that I do I really yeah. like that idea of all yeah just be authentically you because yeah, yeah no one else can replicate that and that's really true you do definitely bring that I mean I'm still dying from last week the uh the Wolverhampton I'm Portugal still. sketch <laughs> I just I couldn't get over that because like it's the running joke they just only sign Portuguese players yeah. You know how you just came up with that so fast. I really appreciate how you're able to do that. Now, I do kind of have a question for you and Nate, because I have a lot of like old man energy, unfortunately, when it comes to TikTok. Can someone explain to me like why I need a TikTok? Because like I can see your stuff on Instagram. <laughs> it's just this is uh, something it's of all the social media and it used to be my job as being in social media. I still just I can't comprehend it fully. TikTok and this is where TikTok kind of differentiates from Instagram. Instagram, in its own merit, and I think that there there needs to be a spot for that. There needs to be like a 
what t- what Instagram brought a lot of is like being that flex platform. Mm-hmm. Like if you have like some nice pictures or like something that's really nicely produced or something, jewelry, you know, cars, nice house, all of this stuff, you know, like edited. A lot of those is what it became a lot of on Instagram. You started seeing a lot of content creators doing things just selfie style or just in their room or not really polished and girls with no makeup and different things like that. But it wasn't, the app wasn't fully like that yet. It was a lot of the flex stuff on it. And where TikTok came in is where I think like 95%, if not more of TikTok is, is raw. It's just, it's kids dancing. It, that's what it started off as. It's just little kids who of course don't have a big budget or anything yeah. like that or expensive jewelry. And so they said, and so it started being more and more and more of that. That resonates with people because people can relate to that. And it's just, it's easy going and you know, you don't have to try too hard. It's fun. Yeah, that's it. If you don't have like, a big production or anything like that, you have creative ideas, you hop on TikTok, like anyone can do it. That's the best explanation I've gotten on it. Nate gets very hot when I'm like, I want, I downloaded it this weekend because I had to prep for this. He's like, you got to download it. Yeah. That's the best explanation I've got. You might've sold me. You should get on it. You should definitely, <laughs> anybody can do it. I've seen, I see people do like art, you know, they do music. I like this do, one dance, you know, the. that That's a viral video right there. <laughs> <laughs> do that is that how i become tiktok famous go for it yes (laughs) all the dances listen you might have to twerk a little i'm not gonna oh that's that is not a problem i can assure you (laughs) we uh actually wanted to give this platform a little bit to learn a little bit more about you i love to learn you know just a little bit more about your story and how you became a soccer fan because you know you mentioned that you've always had a creative side and you've been in the soccer community well at least as a fan sounds like for quite some time well, I live in the U.S., obviously, but I'm originally from Haiti. And just all the Caribbean islands overall, like, soccer is, like, the main sport. I think in Haiti, that's just, it's everything is just that. Like, soccer is everything over there. Like, people live and breathe, eat, sleep soccer. So it's always been my dad loves the game. My middle name is Ronaldo. That tells you off the bat. It's kind of just like, yeah, you kind of, this is, like, part of me. So it's it will always be. Yeah. So it's just it's it's just been part of a culture um ever since I grew up and even when I moved over here, it was still prominent. You know, I was still playing, still watching, still, you know, still very much a part of the culture. So it's it's just been from day one that Haitian culture just merges with the with the soccer um for everybody basically. It's it's a huge part of the the experience of living on there. So do you have any loyalties then, like any particular players or clubs? So I'm a Barcelona fan, which wow. that goes against your middle name. I feel <laughs> yes, well, kind of, because I was named after um, Brazilian Ronaldo R9, and so mm. when so he so I kind of have that, even though he ended on bad terms with Barcelona, he he played for them for a while. But my dad um, loves Brazil also. And so he said to, you know, it was almost my first name. And then my mom was like, absolutely not. <laughs> not, not naming my son after one of your obsessions. So they compromised on that. But I'm, I'm a Barca fan. I love, just like my dad loves Brazil, I love Brazil too. You know, Neymar is my favorite player. Um, so, yeah, but I just, overall, it's just like, I I have a passion and love for the game overall. Like, even if... If someday, because I always say, like, there's a, there are a lot of people who are 
who grew up in a culture where they're affiliated with one specific team and they will live and die by this team. And I'm close to that before anything. I always tell people, like, I'm a soccer fan or I'm a football fan. Or, like, I, because the game itself, the culture of this sport is what I'm really, like, subscribed to and, and engraved in, you know? I think yeah. that makes sense based upon like what you can see just in the content that you produce because the one element of your TikToks that's really enjoyable is just the simple element that you always seem to have like that current kit that that team has that you're talking yeah. about. So is like collecting kits like a hobby of yours? I get a lot of flack for that actually too. But it's, um, yeah, I, I've always wanted to just have a lot of kids, a lot of jerseys, man, because it was just, at some point, I was like, man, I see so many people with huge collections. It's like, I want, like, all of them. If there's one to be had, I want it. I don't care from where, from what team. Um, and at some point, it was hard for me to get a Real Madrid kid, because I, <laughs> I really wanted to make a video, but I was just fighting myself, like, mm. I don't know. I don't know if I even want to put this on me, but, <laughs> but I had to fight the urge. But the video, the idea I had was just, it was too good to just pass on. I had to, I had to, I had to put that aside and put it on. So but I think literally you can have a personal style composed of just soccer jerseys. Like, I think it's like the, the creativity that some of these brands put into these jerseys. Like, I, I'm genuinely a fan of this, the design themselves. Eight times out of 10, if you catch me on the street, I'll probably be having some sort of soccer jersey on, like, unless I'm, like, dressing up or something, so. We've had some of those issues this uh, season because I'm a Liverpool fan, he's a Tottenham fan, and when we saw, like, Man City's kit drop or Arsenal's kit drop, and we're just like, mm, man, I hate that I like these. Just, that's, it can get you a little tricky. I got two questions for you then. Mm -hmm. uh, it seems like you have a big collection. How many jerseys do you have then? And then is there a particular favorite one that you have? To be honest, it doesn't, it seems a lot to a lot of people. To me, it seems like I don't have that many. I have like 20 compared to what I want to have. It just seems like <laughs> yeah. it's a little, but I really just started this year. I think that my favorite one, which is crazy, is one of my latest ones. It is the, the Inter Miami jersey. Mm -hmm. I think from the first time I saw it in person, it makes a lot of sense just based on style because Beckham owns the team and he's like a huge fashion figure. And it's just, once I saw it, I said, this is so Miami. This is so Beckham. Like, it's so stylish. Like, I would wear this just like in an outing, hanging out with people, like going out to a restaurant or something. Like, I would wear this on a regular. Like, it just, it's so slick the shine that it has on it's just and it's so different i've never seen that type of material on a jersey ever so it's yeah it's my favorite that's the thing that i like the the diversity in shirts like this that makes them unique is adding like even under the solid color of the shirt those extra designs that kind of like you sometimes you have to get close to it but even from afar you're like this is there's something extra to this and when you see it in person up close, it's like it, there's a lot of details. That And the more details you put into it, the more you think this is really connecting with the identity of the team. Like, it makes it that much better. Because it's such a global sport that there's so much diversity in even to becoming a fan of a team. Like, there's so, there's so many levels and so many layers to this game that you can literally connect with a team 
from hearing their their songs, from hearing one of their chants, from you're so drawn to their jerseys. Like there's so many aspects of it. Like yeah. that's you can like there's not enough there's not one way of connecting into it. You can be born into it. You can go to visit a different country and you resonate with them. Like it, it's just there's no limits to how you can connect with this game. It's incredible. I couldn't agree more with that. Like, especially because we're all in America, right? But the big clubs are all overseas. It's those random things that draw you to your team lifelong. Like, yeah, Nate studied abroad in London. I literally moved up here to Chicago. And then all of my coworkers and friends I met up here were all Liverpool fans. I don't have a team yet. I guess this is my team. (laughs) And you know, open and all that. Nate still gets pissed about that all the time, but we just... You, you, you got a very convenient time to become a Liverpool fan. <laughs> that's a conversation for another time. I did want to ask you a question that's a bit back on more of the TikTok side, um, yeah. because I know as of recently, the U.S. government was considering like banning TikTok overall. I was just kind of wondering like what concerns you had on your end about like this major platform that you, you know, you put a lot of effort and creativity into to being shutting yeah. down. How worried were you during that time? I wouldn't say I wasn't too worried about it. Starting out, I just kind of knew that on whichever platform that my videos resonate more on or it can succeed more on, I think I'm okay with. Of course, like I accumulated well over like 200,000 followers on TikTok and like 3 million likes total or something. So it's definitely like it's substantial when I heard that it might actually be banned. It was kind of like a bummer. Like, wow, like this is really going to it's one less platform that I can grow a following on. Not even so for me, I was more bummed out about, I was more down about like this, it's such like a great platform overall, whether you're profiting from it or not, whether you're a serious content creator, like it's so, it's such a fun app. Like it's, sometimes I just find myself like not even looking at soccer, so just scrolling on the For You page and just looking at random things and it would, each successive video is a completely different theme, a completely different topic. So it's just, it's dope to just scroll through those and just um, watch those videos. But in the meantime, I'm just doing as much as I can on it. And then hopefully the people on there, if it does get banned, will transfer over to the same platform so they can still enjoy the content. But Reels is good for on Instagram. You still have a great following on Instagram too. Like that's yeah. how, you know, that's how I found you through BR Football's Instagram page. And I was like, all right, we gotta, we gotta get this guy on. <laughs> so one of my favorite uh, series of videos you've done so far is football jokes, right? One of my <laughs> big personal brands is dad jokes. So I actually, I came up with one for you and I, I know I want to, you know, if you want to grade it, no, it's totally fine, but you ready? Yeah. All right. So I was talking to Wilfred over at Leicester and I asked him if he wanted to score some goals. He was like, yes, indeedy. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, people will hate me. I have to use that first of all. I have to use that one. But people will absolutely, when I tell you my followers, think it is the corniest thing in the entire I world it. i love it but i love it that like <laughs> that's got it to think they're so they're so bad it's it's good yes i have to use that i have to do a part three now i was contemplating yeah. <laughs> i have to put that one in it uh, that was a good one indeed <laughs> i don't know i i'm not a dad but i feel like a dad already <laughs> because these, these jokes amuse me so much I Keep wish it. I had a second one now. It's too bad. I, I put all the effort into this one. Listen, let me know. Anytime I'm taking requests. 
<laughs> for, for part three, four, five, I'm never stopping those. I like Nditi. So now that you've really started to you know grow this fan base and it's continuing, yeah. I'm just kind of curious about you know your own trajectory of the future. Like, what's the end goal? Like, what's your dream for this? Like, what do you want to do with this platform? The end goal, of course, is always to be able to look back and say, like, I pulled no punches. It's just I put my absolute all into this, um, not just in terms of creativity, but just in terms of the the work ethic. I'm a big believer in, you know, working till you can't work anymore. That's not to say to just burn yourself to the ground, but it's just... Like, I think, I think one of my, one thing that I wake up every day with is just complete gratitude for the opportunity to just wake up and breathe and be able to walk and just life itself. So that's something that I take very seriously in terms of like, I don't, every day is not promised. So whatever day I get the chance to see, I'm going to make the most of it. You know, one of the things I do a lot too, on, especially on my Instagram is just, any life lessons or anything that I've learned or any advice that I think people could use. I obviously have like a predominantly male audience and a lot of them, I'm sometimes surprised to see a lot of them are like younger boys. And so I think it's, it's great to be able to just give, you know, go through different experiences and give people advice on that and inspire people to see the potential in themselves. Um, you know, give different advice on like habits that I think are healthy for people to have and to um, accumulate and just try to make people better. I think that's like, if there's anything, there's a lot of people who've been put on my path to help me become a better person. And so I think it would be unfair to not take those things that I've learned and try to do that for other people. So I think overall, in any way that I can keep growing, keep adding value to people, helping in as many ways as I can, not just in like giving advice and whether it's helping grow the game where we are too. I think in the U.S. it's like on a good trajectory. There's a lot of work to be done. Even that is, you know, this game gave me the opportunity to do all of this. Like there is no this without soccer. So it's like, it's of course paying homage to the game and helping grow it even more so. Like it's already the biggest sport on the planet but there's still so many people where it's so many places where it can be bigger. And I think that it can help change a lot of people's lives and affect change in different ways, period. Yeah. Eventually I think that that's the end goal. Makes a lot of sense. And actually a question that we ask all of our guests is kind of tied into like what you were saying at the end, like in some ways. So what we ask our guests, we have a segment called pub of the week. And what that is, we want to give love to a local business out in the area. You know, things are hard in COVID. So hopefully we got a long list of businesses for our listeners to check out all over the country whenever, you know, things start to open up again. Is there any pub or restaurant that you like going to be like yourself or friends or family to watch like soccer matches at? Not specifically soccer matches. Um, hmm. It's weird because I mostly watch soccer games from home. You know what? I'll give a shout out to Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> because, because I'll tell you what, Buffalo Wild Wings is the first, when I came to the U.S., since I've been in the U.S., is the first wing place I went to. And it just, it blew my mind. Like, I'm so, I'm used to great food, but... It just, I went there and I was like, wow, there's some great wings and they're playing soccer. It was like a Premier League game too. And one of the screens, 
it was a dope experience. So shout out to B-Dubs. I'll give them a big shout out for that. That's They held it down. That is our first national chain pub of the yeah. world. And I respect it. I, I know we have a few listeners that are diehard B-Dubs people. So that's obviously you got a bright future ahead of yourself. You know, it's awesome seeing how much you've blown up. You know, we'd love to have you on again sometime in the future as well. Yeah, we can't wait to see what's going on. Uh, his name is Elisha Edward. Anything you want to plug besides, you know, your TikTok, Instagram, anything like that? I want to say shout out to everybody out there chasing their dreams and working hard and being good people and trying to grow and better themselves. Shout out to my boys, Fawad's Brand 28. He has an upcoming clothing line coming up. It's super dope. You guys check out for that on Instagram. Yeah, I just want to, I just want to, you know, thank football fans overall for being who you are and helping make this game like the amazing sport that it is. Be great to each other. Keep working hard. Spread love and positivity. That's it. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Elijah. Thanks again so much to Elisha for coming on to the podcast. Uh, I'm really looking forward to getting a shout out on TikTok since I still kind of don't know how it works. It'll be kind of cool to see that. Um, you know, looking forward to, you know, potentially having him on again in the future. I just thought, you know, I really enjoyed the positivity he brought and the energy. And he just has a great collection of soccer kits. You definitely want to check him out on Instagram as well as TikTok. Let's hop on over to Around the Net. One of the things that I'm always intrigued by is just the amount of money that we give to people that play sports that really do nothing other than just, you know kick a ball around with high skill. It's just really interesting and funny because at the end of the day, football is a business. There was a list that was released of the highest paid soccer players. Um, I just felt that this topic was worth exploring, seeing who was on this list and, uh, you know, talking a little bit about that further. I'm all about sports business and, you know, contracts and earnings and things like that. And I do think for the casual American fan, what they might not realize is, as much as we, you know, gush over these super mega contracts like Patrick Mahomes with the Kansas City Chiefs or Steph Curry with the Golden State Warriors, in reality, it's the soccer players overseas that are making just insane amounts of money. Yeah, let me just ask this, Tyler, for someone like me who doesn't watch basketball, who doesn't watch football, I know that there's always a lot of talk around how much these players like Patrick Mahomes you just mentioned make. What is the typical like high-end contract deal worth? In American sports, I should say. In American sports, at least if we're talking about basketball and football, you know, you're really getting up there when you're at the 30 million. I believe Pat Mahomes just, you know, he obviously set a record. Uh, his is about 50 million a year. Steph Curry somewhere in the 40 millions. So anywhere between that 30 and 50, you are making the top 1% of all pro athletes in America. It was really surprising for you whenever we were talking um, NHL, I know probably years ago off this podcast, where it's like, oh yeah, like Sidney Crosby makes $8.7 million. Um, Ovechkin makes $9 million. So th- they're under $10 million earners, but the best players in that league. So it's really going to be eye-opening when you hear exactly how much money like these top three players make, let alone the top 10 list that we're about to lay out here for you. At the top of the list should be no one's surprise is Leo Messi. He is taking home $126 million in earnings. For reference, since we didn't mention endorsements, only 34 of that's coming from endorsements. $92 million are coming from his Barcelona deal. That's almost double what Pat Mahomes, the highest paid player in football, is making. 
I liked seeing the breakdown in terms of endorsements and just how much they're making from their own playing deals as well. Like Messi, he's the face of football, right? You could put him out there as easily the most recognizable person when it comes to you know soccer and football. $34 million out of his $126 million is from those endorsements. And you see him all the time in ads for video games, for things like Pepsi. He has his own line of Adidas shoes, but that's not the bulk of his of his earnings. And I feel like that's a bit of the opposite when it comes to American players in some regards, right? I bet there's a big portion of people probably like uh, Michael Jordan, for example, that make a lot of their own money or Tiger Woods from endorsements. Yeah. LeBron James is another example. I believe his lifetime Nike deal is over a billion dollars, something like that. Yeah, it's a little different in America because I think the owners have a little bit more leeway as far as how they pay the players. Salary caps are definitely a huge, huge part of that. So a lot of the money does come off endorsements. Just a random note about that. Rob Gronkowski, Gronk, I'm sure you're familiar with him, Nate, even though you don't follow football. Guys like that, you know, because of how that is structured, a lot of them will not actually spend any of their contract money. They will just live strictly off their endorsements. How does that work if they're not spending any of their... Oh, they just live... They just live off their endorsement money and save all of their contract money. Um, I think another guy, Tua Tagovailoa, is doing that right now. He's a rookie for the Miami Dolphins. It's just a financially prudent thing so that they can have that money when they retire. They just decide during their careers, I'm just going to live off the you know, millions I make on endorsement deals and not worry about that other cash. Gotcha. That makes sense. Let's take a look at some of the other names on this list. Cristiano Ronaldo, and no surprise, he's the second person on this list, bringing home $117 million. Slight difference just between him and Messi's $126. I'm actually a little surprised about that. Like $9 million doesn't seem like a lot, but like it's something. And with how closely these two are always competing with each other, I feel like that's got to be one of those things that gives him a leg up in those conversations. But um, And the third person on this list is Messi's former teammate at Barcelona and now over at Paris Saint-Germain, other than Neymar, $96 million. So now we're starting to drop down beneath those $100 million players. Yeah, that's no surprise to me. Neymar has been such a superstar you know, since he's, he was coming up with Brazil and all this. You know, No surprise. And also PSG just loves spending money, which is why I'm not even surprised that the fourth guy on this list is his teammate Mbappe. But what I am surprised about is that drop-off. So there's a huge difference here in the amount of money the top three players make compared to the rest of this list. Mbappe brings home... 42 million but it really is interesting to see a huge change from Neymar's 96 million dollars to Mbappe's 42 with the difference between the third and fourth person on this Um, something to note for the rest of the top 10 we do not dip beneath 27 million dollars um, I don't know if this surprises you, but the person coming in at fifth on this list is Mo Salah with $37 million. He has become extremely marketable, so I imagine a good chunk of this is from endorsements. Uh, he's even in some of those Pepsi ads with Messi as well. Um, so no, I'm not that surprised. You know, He still just looks like one of the best players in the league. It's not that surprising to see him on here. I actually do wonder if his value increases, if he ever leaves Liverpool for one of those big rumored clubs like a Real Madrid. Uh, Speaking about another player that's jumped around to a couple of different leagues and clubs, we're going over to Manchester United's Paul Pogba with $34 See, this one did surprise me. I feel like it's maybe just because he had been rehabbing so long we had just kind of forgotten about him. You know, he has a big deal with Adidas as well. So yeah, he's just someone I kind of forget about at times, especially with how much star power there is now on Manchester United. But yeah, you know, he's still... A very marketable figure in Manchester. 
obviously moving from Pogba, we are going to Barcelona again uh, with another uh, little surprising one, Antoine Griezmann at $33 million. I think this one makes sense to me. They're trying to invest into their younger players. I don't know who else would be on this list within the current Barcelona roster. One thing that I think is interesting here is that some of the players that we see on this list are on the same teams, meaning that the amount of cash flow and money in the bank that these organizations have are, are just huge. I, I can't even imagine like how much they can actually spend and what they have bought, but having you know this player with 33 million and then the deal Messi with 92 million from his Barcelona contract it's a lot of money to spend and their bench is obviously consists more than just two players right of course your boy is on here uh new Tottenham bench warmer Gareth Bale uh, coming in at 29 million is that all going toward golf equipment and gear i'd be interested to see how this is broken down the article that was released with bleacher report where i found the majority of this information didn't have his specific earnings and this came out before the tottenham deal was finalized back when he was still a real madrid player i know bundesliga borelli is going to be mad about this next one but uh, byron's lewandowski comes in at ninth at 28 million and i'm sure he'll tweet at us ping us text us send us messages on instagram uh, and any way he can reach us, be like, oh, Lewandowski's not making enough. And, uh, you know, we're just going to be like, you know, we don't care. I know that he is, I know that he should have won Ballon d'Or this year, but, you know, it's Byron. How marketable can you be when all you do is win? It's boring. He's kind of boring, right? You know, he's this Polish striker that's nearing the end of his career. And, you know, people just don't give a shit when there's other exciting players out there. Just a quick side note about the Gareth Bale deal. And I know whenever we explored him last week, I kind of spoke to what else could we be doing with the money that we spent on Bale? And I was like, maybe you want to hold out another year and get Lewandowski. I kind of still stand by that because for $1 million less, um, you know, maybe he could have came over. So we'll wait to see how the rest of the, uh, the year plays out again. This isn't like transfer money deals, but I can assume that there's a little bit of negotiation wiggle room with, you know, their current salary uh, that they bring in with their current contracts and deals. But with that being said, let's head on over to the last on this list of the top 10 and the only keeper on the list, Manchester United's David De Gea. I actually am surprised that there's a goalkeeper on this list. Uh, I'm not sure how involved he is in endorsements. I've never, you know, really at least never noticed anything that he's featured on. So I am imagining he makes quite a bit with the club. Uh, that being said, I do not expect him to be on this list much longer, especially with Dean Henderson kind of breathing down his neck. He's just a player that has a lot of eyes on him at all times. I don't know why the Manchester United fan base continue to call him the greatest goalkeeper out there currently. That's just so untrue. It's not like he's bad, but I just think that you know, with players like Neuer over in Bayern Munich, I think that you can easily see a a difference of of caliber there <laughs> it's a little harsh i will say even with allison at liverpool i am confident in saying that neuer is the best goalie i just continue to be amazed every time i watch that guy but that was fun nate i, I was very interested in seeing how much money these guys made and honestly that's just kind of wild uh, i do have a fun story for you though it's back to your boy jose Mourinho. so as Nate is aware, as a Tottenham fan, earlier this week, Jose actually called out UEFA officials prior to their Europa League match when he realized that the goalposts were shorter than regulation 
And I honestly don't know how he figured that out, but I guess he's been around football so long. He just, he just kind of noticed. What happened in that instance, and Jose was saying that his keepers were coming over to him after they were warming up, saying like, it, it doesn't feel like it's big enough. It doesn't feel like it's big enough. And then Jose went and he checked, and there's actually a couple of funny pictures of him standing in the goal, just reaching his arm up to see if he can like touch the tip of the goalpost. And you see like Hugo Lloris, like he's taller than Jose, and like his arm is up and like touching the goalpost. And there, it's just like these funny photos of like Jose just mean mugging the cameras, being like, "See, see, I shouldn't be able to reach as close as I am." That story did not end there. Like this has kind of become a recurring thing. Like obviously it was it was last for everyone. It was like that's the most Jose thing I've ever seen at the time. This past weekend, Manchester United's manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer uh, decided to have some fun with that incident as well. In their controversial win over Brighton that we discussed earlier, Brighton actually broke the Premier League record for shots on goal to hit the woodwork. They hit the woodwork on five different shots. And it was honestly incredible that they didn't win that match. After the match, Ole Gunnar said, you know, he was happy Jose wasn't there to measure the goalpost because it might have been a smaller goal. After the way they won just seemed kind of dickish, but I loved the way Jose clapped back on this. When he was when that was brought up to him, he later said that, you know, Ole Gunnar is probably more worried about the size of the penalty box instead of the actual goal. Just making a joke at how many penalties that Manchester United seems to get. That's so funny, and it's a little back-and-forth banter leading to their match to come later this weekend. But I, I do think that Jose is not too far-fetched from you know wanting to call this out. I mean, it, it's right and it's true. The, the goalpost should be at regulation size. And then he, he even also said, like, you know, my, my goalies have been inside the net for as long as they can remember. They basically were born in the net with the amount of times that they spend in the net during practices and during games. Like those guys know the actual size. Like if anyone were to know the size of a net, those were to be the guys to trust. And if they're coming over to him saying like, it doesn't feel big enough, he's going to trust them. And you know, his, uh, he was correct to, to trust his keepers. They weren't up to the right size, be it if they were just slight, a slight difference. Yeah, I'm actually very impressed with that. You put me in a goal. I have no idea, dude. I'm just standing there like, yep, this seems fine. And now it makes me wonder how often people actually check this shit during games. It's a great point. I just would assume that every goal is up to the proper standards, and I guess it's just not. And that was Around the Net this week. I do love exploring some of these topics a bit further here with you, Tyler, and sharing it out to the First Touch uh, community here. Uh, Moving on to our local pub shout-out, our Pub of the Week. This one is a fun one, right? So Elisha goes out to recommend... Buffalo Wild Wings. So it goes out to all of you B-Dub lovers out there. I do want to say something about this. Whenever he originally recommended this to our listeners, to all you guys, it kind of made me want to go back through the submissions that you all have given us in the past to maybe find a local business because really these chains don't need any extra sponsorship from us. But Elijah did have a good point. If you are new to soccer fandom, And maybe you don't want to go to like a local soccer pub because it might be a little bit of intimidating. You maybe don't want to stand there without knowing all the like the local chancer things. B-dubs really is a place that you could just casually watch soccer, right? There, there's not going to be any judgment there. Like you might be one of a handful of people watching soccer. So I, I don't mind this at all. 
No, you know, Freddie Sund, member of the First Touch Betting Council, uh, he was on our Fancy Premier League episode. This dude literally had his birthday at B-Dubs a couple years ago. You and I were there. Like, if you're a sports fan, like, it's a great place if you're just trying to casually watch a game. So, you know, shout out to Elisha. I love that that was his submission. It was honestly pretty unique. And with that, that, of course, brings us to our action item for all of you guys out there. If there's any other local pubs that you want us to know about, make sure you follow us at First Touch Pod on Instagram and you know just shoot us a direct message. We'll respond back to you. We won't bite. We like talking to you guys. If there's any place that you want to tell us about, we'll be sure to scream that through the rafters to the other members of the FTFC in upcoming episodes. In upcoming pitch profiles, we're going to be covering God, a.k.a. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, until then, make sure to go back and check out our previous episodes if you have listened yet. We do have other pitch profiles that you're going to want to hear on people like Lionel Messi, Luka Modric, Christian Pulisic, just to name a few. And you can find all of those there anywhere uh, that you stream podcasts at. And while you're there, make sure that you subscribe and give us a good review because we love you guys and we want to make sure that other people can hear the great words of the FTFC podcast. And it really, really is a big help from that. And we can't do it without the love and support from people like you. With that, we'll leave you the same way we leave you every week and saying that there is no room for racism.